Section 19 of the Algonquin Legends of New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Mattingly. The Algonquin Legends of New England, or Myths and Folklore of the Micmac, Passamaquoddy, and Penobscot Tribes, by Charles Godfrey Leland. Section 19. The Merry Tales of Lox, the Mischief-Maker, commonly known as the Indian Devil. And then who should come along but Martin himself, even the Abistanooch whom they had deserted? And they cried out for joy, begging him to take them back. But he, behaving as if they were utter strangers, replied that he had been married in the early spring to one of his own tribe, and unto a damsel whose name was Martin and that it was not seemly for animals to wed out of their own kind. So he scampered off, leaving the little weasels all alone. And last of all came Lox, whom hunters called the Indian Devil, and others the Wolverine, who is exceeding subtle above the beasts of the forest, and who is gifted with more evil mischief than all of them in one. And when the weasels called to him for help, he tarried, for it came into his heart that he might in some way torment and tease them, but verily he had to deal with those who were not much more virtuous than himself, and quite as cunning. For what with travelling from the earth to the heavens and changing his bands, these fair minifers were learning wisdom rapidly. So the elder sister, who had not the least idea of keeping her promise unless it suited her fancy, played a trick, and that quickly anon. For she at once took off her hair-string, and tied it in a few less than a hundred knots among the twigs of the tree, tangling it so that you would have deemed it a week's work before a man could loosen it again without injury. Now Master Lox, having taken down the younger sister, with all the politeness in the world, came for the other, and aided her also to descend. And when on the ground she indeed said, Willioon, I thank you, but begged him to go up the tree again and bring down a great treasure which she had left there, her hair-string, beseeching him for all their lives not to break or injure it in any way, but to most carefully untie every knot, for thus doing it would bring untold felicity on them all, and that they, the weasels, would meantime build a beautiful bridal bower or a wigwam, and that so furnished as he had never seen the like before, in which verily they kept their word. For they speedily built the wigwam, but the furniture thereof was of this rare kind. The weasels had, it seems, certain sworn friends, for birds of a feather flocked together, and these were not far to seek, as they were the thorns, burrs, and briars of all kinds, hornets and other winged and stinged insects, beside the ants. And they were, moreover, intimate with all the sharp-edged flints in the land, which was a goodly company. So when the bower was built, it had therein a hornet's nest for a bridal bed, thorns for a carpet, flints for a floor, and an ant's nest for a seat which for a bare-footed and bare-breeched Indian is indeed a sore essay. Now it had taken Master Lox the entire day to untie the hair-string, so when he came down it was dark, and he was glad when he saw the hut and thought of resting therein. But as he entered he ran among the thorns which pierced his nose and flints which cut his feet, so that he roared aloud, and then he heard a voice which seemed to be that of the younger Miss Weasel, crying, Namesco! Go to my sister yonder. So he went, and trod in an ant hill, and this was worse than the briars. 
and then he heard another voice on that side which cried laughing unquetch kale go to my sister who is younger than i and plunging furiously through the darkness he fell on the hornet's nest and verily the last state of that indian was worst of all thus seeing himself mocked he became furious so that he who has by nature the very worst temper of all beasts or men was never so angry before and seeking the tracks of the weasels he pursued them as they fled in the night and through the thick forest now it came to pass that by daybreak the two girls even the mrs weasel had come to a broad river which they could not cross but in the edge of the water stood a large crane motionless or the tunguo ligunak who was the ferryman now truly this is esteemed to be the least beautiful of all the birds for which cause he is greedy of good words and fondest of flattery and of all beings there were none who had more bear's oil ready to anoint every one's hair with that is to say more compliments ready for everybody than the weasels so seeing the crane they sang wawila quis kipat kasku wawila quis kipat kasku the crane has a very beautiful long neck the crane has a very beautiful long neck and this charmed the old ferryman very much and when they said please grandfather hurry along he came quickly seeing this they began to chant in chorus sweetly as the seven stars themselves wawela quignat kasku wawela quignat kasku the crane has very beautiful long legs the crane has very beautiful long legs hearing this the good crane wanted more so when they asked him to give them a lift across he answered slowly that to do so he must be well paid but that good praise would answer as well so now they who had abundance of this and to spare for everybody were these very girls have i not a beautiful form he inquired and they both cried aloud oh uncle it is indeed beautiful and my feathers ah peggy a kopchu beautiful and straight feathers indeed and have i not a charming long straight neck truly our uncle has it straight and long and will ye not acknowledge o maidens that my legs are fine fine o uncle they are perfection never in this life did we see such legs so being well pleased the crane put them across and then the two little weasels scampered like mice into the bush and scarcely were they concealed or the crane well again in his place ere master lox appeared and being in no good temper he called to uncle crane to set him across and that speedily now the crane had been mightily pleased and proud by the winsome words of the weasels and was but little inclined to be rudely addressed so he said to lox i will bear thee over the river if thou wilt bear witness to my beauty are not my legs straight yes replied the lox and beautifully painted too now the colour thereof was little pleasing to poor uncle crane are not my feathers very smooth and fine yea smooth and fine what a pity though that they are mildewed and dusty and my straight neck yes wonderfully straight straight as this said lox to himself taking up a crooked stick and then he sang mecha quiskipat kasku mecha quignat kasku the crane has a very ugly neck the crane has dirty ugly legs come muso me grandfather hurry up oh the crane has a very ugly neck the crane has dirty ugly legs i wish you to be quick muso me hurry up i say and all of this ill-temper and insincerity was deeply and inwardly detected by uncle crane but he said not a word and only meekly bent him down to take the traveller on his back 
but when in the stream, and when it was deepest and most dangerous, he gave himself a shake, and in another instant Lox was whirling round and round like a chip in the rapids, and yet a little time he was dashed against the rocks, and then anon was thrown high and dry on the shore, but dead as a seven-year-old cedar cone. Now the Lox is a great magician at certain times and seasons, albeit his power fails him at others, and he is one of those who rise from the dead. Now it came to pass that some days after, two boys of the Quedetch or Mohawk race, found the Lox lying dead on a rock in the sunshine, and the worms were crawling from him. But when they touched him, he arose as if from sleep, and stood before them as a proud and fierce warrior. But he was scarce alive, ere he sought to do them who had roused him to life a mischief. For having noted that they had fine bows, he got them into his hands and broke them, yet all as if he meant it not. And then by magic, making a sound as of many children at play, afar off across the next point of land by the river, he bade them run and join the pleasant games. And when he had got them a space onward, lo, the sound seemed ever farther on, mingled with the murmur of the stream. And so they went without him seeking it, and yet it wandered ever far away. Now he had learned from the boys that they were of a Cullo family, and the Cullus are certain monstrous birds, exceeding fierce. But Master Lox, having seen in the cabin plenty of fine meat, desired greatly to become one of the family, and having been much about in life, knew something of the ways of every one. So putting on the Cullu style, he, seeing a babe, began to sing with the most natural air in the world a Cullu nursery song, Agu Gay Abio. Wet kusana abiol, a sealskin strap, a shoulder strap. Now, it cost very little to fall into the humour of a man, but this the woman would not do, and told him plainly that he could not deceive her, on hearing which Master Lox, in a great rage, seized his tomahawk and slew her. Then, seeing a kettle boiling on the fire, he cut off her head and put it into the pot, hiding the body, and this was a merry jest after his own heart, so that it greatly solaced him. But after a time the two boys returning missed their mother, and looking into the kettle found her head. Then they knew well who had done this, and being fearless they pursued him, but having no bows they could do him no harm. However, they took from him his gloves, and with these they returned. And anon there came also an uncle of the boys, or Ifakagus, the crow. So he gave chase to Lox, yet all he could do was to snatch away his cap as he ran. Yet without shame he cried aloud, Well, my head was getting warm, and now I am cooler. Thank you. Then came another relative, Kitpu the eagle, and he, pursuing Lox, took from him his coat. Yet all unabashed he replied, Thanks unto you also, for I was just wishing that my younger brother were here to carry my coat for me. But he who now arrived, hearing of the deadly deed, was the great Kalu himself, the most terrible of all created creatures and he, pursuing Lox, caught him up, and carrying him in his claws, even to the summit of the sky itself, let him drop, and he was a whole day in falling, even from the first dawn unto sunset he went down, ere he touched the earth. But before he was let drop, and went on high, he burst into a mocking song on what he saw, and the words were as follows, Kumut Kenovek, Talap Tumun Etstugek, Kesena Gaskil Yowa Egan, Yogwa ageno telaptumen, ek kumut ken uik stuga muktumus kun. Our country all lost seems clearly to us, 
as though it were all spread with boughs. Hey-ho, hey-hum, hey-ho, hey-hum. Our country now lost seems now unto us to be blue like the clear blue sky. Hum-hum, toll-de-roll. And when let fall, this graceless jackanapes in no way ceased his rivalry, for while pretending to flap with his arms as they were the wings, he imitated with his mouth mockingly the whish-whish of the wide wings of the colour. Yet just ere he touched the earth, he uttered one little magic spell. Oh, spare my poor backbone. And with that, all the trouble of all the birds went for nothing. Truly he was mashed to a batter, and his blood and brains flew in every direction like raspberry pudding. But among the remains his backbone lay whole, and this was his life. And in a few days after, his younger brother came by, who, seeing the dire mess, exclaimed, Hey, what is all this? Whereupon a voice came from the bone, crying, Nulugun Baho, Ho my leg, come hither, and a leg came unto the spine. And then the voice cried, And Petunagum Baho, Ho my arm, come hither. And when the last fragment had come, he arose, the same indomitable locks as ever, even the Indian devil or wolverine, who never says die, and whom nothing can kill, and who is hard to put away. End of section 19